You are listening to the Hingework Podcast, a conversation about creativity, joy, and authenticity from the overflow of true community. Welcome to Hingework, everyone. Um, my name is Mark, and this is my wife, Heather. Hi. And so, yeah, this is awesome. We're, um, I really probably wouldn't be able to express how excited I am about tonight and that you guys are here. This is the kind of stuff that we just love. Like we love Lancaster, we love community, we love entrepreneurs, creatives, people who um, have the courage to just kind of step up and get out there and make a difference and know that God's wired them for something beyond just kind of sitting quietly on the bleachers and cheering other people on. Um, That's a good part of it. But anyway, so we know you guys are here um, because you're the kind of people who want to get out there and make an impact and, and already are. So. Our desire is for um, you guys to connect with like-hearted people. And um, so, yeah, we just want to welcome you into our space. The vision um, for this is to, um, is to do this every month and just set the table the third Thursday of every month and do what we do here, have some cookies and some coffee and open the doors and see who comes out and just connect. If you come in here and you're bleeding out a major artery and you need some prayer or something or some, some encouragement, we want this to be a safe place for you to connect with some other people. If you come in here and you're like celebrating like you just launched your business and it's exploding or you have an incredible idea that's really taken off, we wanna be here to you know fist bump you and get excited and, and celebrate with you. So that's kind of our desire um, behind this. Um, yeah, so we wanna set the table uh, for that to happen. So tonight, um, Jeff asked, Jeff Franson, who's in the back, um, very inconspicuously. Um, yeah, we, um, we've had this idea, we've done meetings like this before years ago and it kept kind of coming up over the past two years. And so we kept thinking like maybe we should do this or I kept thinking that and like, Three weeks ago, Jeff was like, it's time. We just need to do this. We just need to set the table, open the doors, and do this. So he ran with it, and he asked uh, if Heather and I would share um, for the first night. So we'll be sharing tonight some of our story and how we got here. Um, and each, um, each month that we do this, um, what we'll do is just bring in um, entrepreneurs, risk takers, creatives, dreamers, um, and probably some, if not many of you, will uh, eventually have the opportunity to share up here as you um, live out the things that the greatness that God's put inside of you. So um, that's a little bit of kind of why we're here and what we want to do. Yeah, as I was thinking about tonight, I read this quote like a couple weeks ago and it's just been really sticking with me. Um, basically, it was in this entrepreneurship magazine and it was the story about Waco and what's going on there and it was a story about Chip and Joanna. And bas- the quote was, that um, successful entrepreneurs, or I would insert creative, like successful or creative entrepreneurs inspire other entrepreneurs, and then their collective success is transformative. Mm-hmm. And when I read that, I mean, so they were basically saying like Chip and Joanna started this thing, but then that, because they were doing so well, then other businesses were doing well, and then like in, in return, the whole city has been transformed. And, um, and when I read that, I thought of Lancaster and just how when one business is doing well, it, it inspires another business, which inspires another business, and just how it, the whole city can be changed. And when I read that, I think sometimes it can be easy to look at what somebody else is doing and think, well, I can't do that because somebody else is already doing that, or compare yourself, or I know I can easily just get stuck in that. But when I look at it, like we are all working together, and if we each bring our part, we can like transform a city. I just feel like that is like so inspiring. So that's like one thing I felt like just I wanted to share um, 
and again, the quote is like, successful entrepreneurs inspire other entrepreneurs, and together, their collective success is transformative, which I just feel like is, yeah, what we want to encourage, like, just yeah. each of you to bring your part, be who you are. And I think it looks a lot more like just being who you are than trying to, I don't know, just it's about being who you are and bringing your peace, and then together we can, like, yeah, transform yeah. a city and... Yeah. Amen. Yeah. I mean, so that's why we're here. Um, and I think um, that's what we want to do. And I think, you know, we could, there's a couple to me, obvious, like if I ask how many people here are photographers, there's probably like, that's an easy one. Like we, so we run a co-working space. We have a co-working space next door where there's 15 or 20 different business owners who we all run our businesses out of there. I think there's at least eight of us that are photographers. And so, um, you either get over the idea that the phone's ringing across the room and someone's answering it and doing something that you could be doing, or you're not going to stay in that room for very long. And you know, we need to get over it because we're designed to do more than just fuss about that stuff. And there's enough to go around and we're all different. We're called to do different things. I'm called to photograph things differently than Sam is. Britt's called to do things um, differently than Jeff is. You know, we, there's similarities and there's overlap, but we have to become okay with who we are and who God's made other people to be. Um, and if, if we're not, we're just gonna limit ourselves. And what Heather's point is, what she's sharing is like, if we'll get over that and we come together, you know, um, when Ty has success, then Lancaster has success, then James has success, then Chris has success, and you know, we get to work together and all experience the benefits of that. So that's our desire. Um, we wanted to tell a little bit of the story about even how we came to this place and how the vision for hinge work and this community um, got started and so we want to share a little bit and I was taken back to so m a little bit of my life story I went to college got a business management degree and I graduated from college and had a lot of success in the corporate world so I was making uh, 10 fifteen thousand dollars a month when I was 25 years old just having fun and um, during that time, before I, before I really um, became successful, I was just a manager who was really struggling, right? I was like, I was working like 60 hours a week. Um, I wasn't really, I didn't really have a clear vision for my life. I didn't know what I was doing. I took this job with a company. I went through the management training program and got promoted. And that was kind of all I had. And so I remember one day my regional manager and I, we were out on sales calls. I worked, it was a glamorous job. I worked for a large rental car company. We would go out and meet with clients um, and try to develop relationships so that they would call us when people's cars broke down, et cetera. So we were out on sales calls one day. We were driving back to um, our office. I was living in the Poconos at the time. Or actually, I was living in Allentown at the time. And um, Kurt David Heiser was my regional manager, and he was this little, um, little sawed-off um, guy. And he was, he was a fireball. Um, he was definitely pretty intense. Uh, and so we're riding along, and I don't even remember what I said, but we were sitting in his, his SUV heading down, getting ready to get off Route 80, and he was just like, that's what I love about you, Buck. You've got vision. And like when he said it, it I almost was like, what came up inside of me was like, no, I don't. Like, I don't even know why you just said that. Because no one had ever... Uh, called out that thing inside of me before. No one had ever just like spoken to that. And it was interesting because um, my career um, really took off in the months and weeks, in the weeks, months, and, and the years that followed that. And people would call me because I was um, 25 years old and everybody else in the 
country to hold the position that I held would be like 29 or 30 years old. So we'd go to national meetings and people would be like, hey, you know, how long have you been with the company? And everybody like nine years, eight years, 12 years. And then they come to me and I'm like two and a half years because um, they would get pissed at me um, because I had just kind of stumbled into this. So people would call me and be like, dude, how did your career take off like this? What happened? And I, I sat and I thought about it one day and I was like, you know, I think a lot of it went back to that day. Like he just called something that he saw inside of me. And as a leader in my life and in, in, for me being a man, it, as another man just recognizing that in me, um, I think it just woke something up inside of me and I began to step in to more of who God had designed me to be. And I, I wasn't even a Christian at the time. I was an alcoholic mess. Um, but we found a lot of success and my employees had a lot of fun. We did, we kind of did everything together. We worked hard, we ran hard, we played hard together and we set a lot of records together. So that was something that um, a couple years later, I went to church one day to be nice because uh, my twin brother, I have an identical twin brother and he was preaching. So I went to be nice, not because of really any other reason. And I just really felt like God spoke to me that day and really said, you know, I have different plans for your life and you need to make a decision whether you're gonna to surrender to me or not. And um, I ended up making that decision to say, okay, God, I let go. Um, and that's kind of a whole nother story in itself, but it's, it's kind of another step towards how we got here. So when I was working, um, for Enterprise, I had this dream of like, man, it would be awesome to uh, go back to Lancaster at some point and coach entrepreneurs and help them develop as leaders and help them learn how to um, more effectively handle their employees and also handle clients and just really um, crush it. And so um, I, um, I ended up leaving that job. Um, I felt like soon after I gave my life to the Lord, it was like, hey, I have more for you. You just need to walk away from this. So I, I just... I didn't have a plan for what was next. I didn't know, and I felt like it wasn't, I wasn't supposed to know. I was just supposed to take that step. So uh, I walked away from that, um, that job and, and, um, and ruffled a few feathers when I did that. Um, and and um, it definitely there was, there was a pretty um, sizable financial cost associated with it. They offered me what amounted to um, between 40 and 75 grand um, to just stay for another month. And I just felt like, God was saying to me, like, no, it's not about the money. You need to be done. Like, you're done. And so uh, I just said, guys, I can't, I can't stay. Like, I need to leave. And um, so I left and um, ended up going to um, a retreat a little while later um, and walked in. And on Friday night in this little um, campground in the cafeteria, I looked over and there was, like, this hot redhead there. And I was like, ooh. I'm like, all right. And Anyways, yes. I'm trying to bring you yes, into the yeah, story, I know. babe. Uh, yeah, um, keep going, keep going. Anyway, I, and I, I was so messed up. I was like, oh, she's probably shacked up with some frat boy or something, um, which is hilarious if you know my wife. Um, that was not particularly part of her story. So anyway, um, about, so I left that job. We met, and um, after a roller coaster ride of, of about nine months of knowing each other and connecting quite a bit, having her go out on dates with my friends and encouraging things like that. Uh, we finally, um, we finally got connected and decided to go out and we got engaged three and a half weeks 
after that. So, so things moved pretty quickly uh, from, from that point. Anyway, um, pretty much from the beginning of our marriage, this type of stuff, like getting people together and connecting and just doing life together is something um, that has been on our hearts. It was something that I did, you know, previous to feeling like God was calling me to anything. It was in the corporate world. I was doing this stuff. And then when, um, when we got married, we did full-time ministry, we traveled all around a lot, we trained missionaries and did all kinds of um, things like that. But um, in that journey, ultimately, um, God brought us to this place of feeling like really our calling is into the marketplace, is to do life every day with people by having businesses. And um, so along that that process of learning that was probably like a good decade of my life. Um, and so the reason I share that is sometimes that's the way it goes. Sometimes you, you, you take a step towards something that you know you need to do and you think maybe three months or maybe nine months would be a long period and then it ends up being a decade. Um, that's okay, sometimes it works like that. Other times you step towards something and it's like boom, like it just happens. So anyway, part of my journey um, was um, to eventually become a photographer and a business coach. And so that's what I spend a lot of my time doing now. Um, and so if we rewind about three years, um, I was working for another photographer and doing business coaching on the side. And that was kind of what I thought that year was gonna be. And um, what ended up happening is very, very, how many of you guys have ever had like a quick transition where you're like, all the ways that I know that I'm gonna make money all of a sudden aren't there anymore. <laughs> um, well, that's what happened to me. So 80% of what was gonna support us and our five kids was it literally overnight gone. And so it was like, huh, well, <laughs> I'm not sure how this is gonna work. And we went through a couple months um, there where it was really hard. And I, I was really like, God, I don't, I don't know. But in some ways, I think you felt like it was the best thing because it was totally. kind of like this cliff that you had to jump off and just kind of free fall. And like, am I going to go after these dreams right. that are on my heart? Or Sometimes yeah. it takes so it a, a like, gentle nudge or being picked up and being thrown off the cliff. Yeah. So <laughs> that's um, kind of what happened. That's what happened. So ultimately, it was an incredible thing. It was really scary um, at that time. But I remember we went on a trip during that time. So... I thought I'm gonna have to come up with a whole bunch of entrepreneurs to meet with and do business coaching with. I had a, a number of clients already set up and I'll just do a little bit of photography along the way. I'll do a couple weddings and somehow it'll work. Um, we'll get through this. So we went to North Carolina on a trip to just kind of clear our heads during that time. And when Heather and I had been married for, I don't know, six years, um, we, we went from being in full-time ministry to it was another one of those times where God kind of picked us up and threw us off a cliff and said, like, you're not going to do that anymore. Um, and it was painful. It hurt. It wasn't something that I chose. But God was wanting to get me where he wanted me, right? And so anyway, because that time was painful, he ended up sending us to North Carolina. And we ended up living at the beach um, for about a year and a half. And I managed a restaurant while I was there. It wasn't particularly glamorous. It wasn't what I loved to do. I would routinely walk around the restaurant thinking I probably am just too much of a wuss to do what I'm really created to do. I don't know why you have me here. This feels like I am a complete failure. And when I got hired to do that job, it was an awesome guy who owned three businesses, three, three different restaurants who hired me. And the first thing they did, I had absolutely no restaurant experience other than eating a lot and spending a lot of time in restaurants. So. 
Um, so they put me through 12 weeks of kitchen training, 12 weeks. And so the way that they started that was, hey, Mark, um, you're going to be on salads with Briseida. Her English is pretty good. Does she speak English? Uh, you'll be fine. So she didn't speak English very well. She was awesome, and we, we have a great relationship. But the first thing she trained me to do was how to mop the floor in the bathroom. And so I'm literally, that's how, like, sometimes life gets. So I'm literally, I remember, like, cutting tomatoes, and she's training me to cut tomatoes, and there's, like, country music playing, and I'm literally, like, tears rolling down my cheeks. Like, my life sucks, and, like, it's over. Like, I don't know what happened. Like, three years ago, I was speaking to a 1,000 people in Switzerland and traveling to Hawaii to teach at um, YWAM bases, and, like, I have no idea how we got here. And, but anyway... Um, so, the, so we were down there for a season, but we came. But Emerald Isle holds yes. a special place in your heart. Yeah, Emerald Isle holds a special place in our heart. So when this meltdown happened three years ago, we felt like we were supposed to just go down there and just spend a week clearing our heads. And I remember um, during that time, um, I couldn't sleep the one night, and I got up, and I went out. I couldn't find my journal. I was out in the car, and I opened my journal, and my, um, my sister-in-law... Um, and this is a little bit about my brother. He's incredible. So we were leaving that morning. We were leaving at like 5 a.m. And I go out to finish loading up the trailer and everything to take our motorcycle and all our stuff to North Carolina. And like, there's my brother sitting in my driveway, just like, yeah, I just feel like I should come down and just connect with you. I woke up and I'm like, bro, it's 5 a.m. And I live a half hour away from you. Like, who does this? And so he had a card for us and all these photos that I had taken of their kids. So when I went out to get my journal, this card fell out. And I started looking through these photos, these images of their family that I had taken over the years. And I just felt like God has began to speak to me. You're a photographer. Like, do not, do not throw that away. Like, this is part of who you are. And so I was like, okay, all right. So this is good. All right. We're going to, I'm going to coach people. And apparently I'm a photographer. Um, and, I, and I did have some photography work lined up. But anyway, so we go down there. We have this epic week at this place where years before, we had been sent to just kind of receive some healing and what ultimately ended up being like a sabbatical. And so we're on this island and we have this epic time with our kids and it was over Easter break. And at the end of the week, it was our last day there. And we're like, let's, let's go. We're going to go for a bike ride and we're going to ride to the restaurant where I used to work. And it was an epic 70 degree day. We ride with the kids. It's awesome. I'm like, don't worry about your helmets. You guys, bomb's crazy. Like, I grew, up on a farm. I grew up on a farm, like bicycle helmets, I don't really get. Um, and so, anyway, it's just that kind of day. We go to the restaurant, the restaurant owner comes up to our table, who I knew, and he's like, he bought our whole lunch, and we just had this awesome time. So the kids are riding back, and all five of them, I guess four of them are out front, and we have the youngest, who at the time was three, um, on the back of my bike and we're riding back and the kids kind of disappear over the hill in front of us. And I'm like, this is so awesome. Heather's freaking out. And <laughs> I'm like, we're graduating as parents. Like they're now riding on ahead at the beach on the road without us. This is sweet. And she's freaking out. I'm like, baby, this is, you're not supposed to freak out. This is awesome. God's got them. They're fine. Everybody's cool. And she's like, okay, whatever. And um, so, we crest the next hill and it's like every parent's nightmare. Uh, there's two cars like 
and my one daughter driving full speed her on her bike back to us screaming. Our one son laying in the <laughs> sand face down. And all I can hear yeah. is him screaming and I'm like a half mile away. And so as athletic as I look, it takes me a while <laughs> <laughs> to pedal. To pedal that fed, but we I flew up there and it's like he's freaking out, the people around him are freaking out, and all I can see is like sand and blood and like I don't know if he got hit by a car. I don't know what happened. And you know, when your kids are in that moment, sometimes we can freak out because other people around us are freaking out. So I'm like, okay, I need to get him out of this and like figure out if he has any broken bones or what's going on. So I kind of pull him away, and as soon as I let him take a step, his knees are like jello, and he's like, hey, like <laughs> And I have his, like, his helmets, of course, is, like, strapped to my bicycle where it wasn't really helping him. So I'm feeling pretty good about that. And I'm just like, what is happening? And I'm frustrated because it's like, there's no hospital. We know this from when we lived there before. This is the last day of vacation. We're supposed to be on the beach partying with our kids, not sitting in urgent care for eight hours going through post-concussion syndrome tests. But so, it turns out he hit... Yeah, turns out just he just out. went off the road, wiped out. Um, and so I, anyway, I went flying home with one of the kids to get um, the suburb, our Suburban to pick him up and figure out if we were going to the hospital or not. And I felt like immediately, like, I think he's okay. Um, I came back. It was awesome. There was a woman working with him who had had a concussion herself, and she was giving him all these concussion tests. And she was like, he seems like he's doing really good. Uh, and then she took time to remind us of the North Carolina bicycle helmet laws. But, uh, which I don't think you need to do that if you ever encounter someone in that situation. I don't, I don't as a parent, I don't know that it was helpful for me to be, aware, be made aware of that. But anyway, um, we got back to the house. Heather's still kind of freaking out. Silas is kind of freaking out as well. And I'm just trying to say like, okay, he's not puking. His pupils look good. Like, I think he's okay, but he's really just still not himself. Like something's going on. I just felt like I was just supposed to say like, son, like what's going on? Like, are, what, are you afraid of something? And he just like lost it. And he was like, dad, I don't ever, ever want that to happen again. I don't ever want to crash my bike again. And I was just like, oh, he's just like really afraid. And I'm like, son, like everybody who's ever ridden hard crashes, like everybody. My dad, his grandfather used to ride a thousand miles a year and he had a bad crash a couple years ago. And I told him like your papa wrecked really bad a couple years ago. He still rides and like I've wrecked lots of times. Um, it's just part of it. It's not, it doesn't mean you're not supposed to ride hard again. It just means don't go into the sand, but ride hard. And you're going to get on your bike today. We're going to ride. And um, as I was saying it to him, I was like, dang, um, I feel like I'm maybe speaking to myself here. And because that's what I felt like, right? Like I felt like I'm riding hard. Like I thought the next 20 years I was with the team that we were gonna ride at least maybe the next five or 10 with and in an instant it was gone. And I was kind of like, I don't ever want that to happen again. Whatever I need to do to guarantee that that never happens again, that's what I'm gonna do. And I just felt like, yeah, it was like God was saying to me like, no, <laughs> how about no? How about sometimes when you ride hard, you wreck Mark? And how about you need to get back on your bike? So. We sent the kids back in the room to watch a movie for an hour because we were kind of in freak out mode. And then I'm like, this is stupid. It's 70 degrees and it's awesome outside and we're at the beach and it's our last day. Why are we watching a movie? Like, I think he's all right. So we went out 
and back on our bikes. Got on our bikes and had him ride. And you know, he made it through it and Heather, um, as a mom, obviously, understandably, is still kind of freaking out. And Silas is right along. And he's like, look, mom, that's for us. And it's this huge beach house. And the name of the beach house in big letters on the side was just, don't worry, be happy. And he's just like, that's for us, mom. Like, it's okay. And we went to the beach and had an awesome time. And he didn't pass out on the eight-hour ride home the next day and, like, <laughs> slip into some type of coma or something. Um, you know, it's, these are the stories that we can tell ourselves in that moment, like, freak out. Um, so... The point is, look, sometimes you fall off your bike or you hit a patch of sand and crash and it doesn't mean you're not supposed to keep riding hard. It doesn't mean you're supposed to get off your bike. It just means you were riding hard and sometimes that happens. It's, it's just part of it. Um, and I think, again, we want to be here to help encourage you to get back on your bike again if that's you. Um, and if that's not you, then you can be here to help encourage someone else to get back on their bike. Um, but sometimes that's just part of it. That's just the way that it goes. So anyway, during that time, so we came back from North Carolina. And it was crazy. Photography work just started flowing in the door. It was nuts. And all of a sudden, what I thought was going to be maybe like a little 10 or 20 percent of what I was doing to make money for us was like 80 percent of it. And so life just began to roll. And during that time, <clears throat> I have some awesome, incredible friends um, that helped me out. And so um, Kevin Hurst and Ryan Weaver are two of the three owners of Revolution Builders who have their offices downstairs. And years ago, they had been business partners with me in a consulting business that failed. And when you go through a business failure um, with friends where there's um, profitability not experienced or and debt increases for everybody experienced and you walk away like, well, that didn't work the way we thought it was supposed to. Um, those relationships either break and die or you figure out how to get through it and then they become like in indestructible bulletproof relationships. And that's what my relationships with those guys have been. And so <clears throat> during this time while photography's growing and everything, we had gotten together and thought like, man, wouldn't it be awesome if we could find a building that would be home for their growing construction company and a sweet place for me to just gather creatives, have a co-working space if anybody's even going to come do something like that. Um, but what if we could find a building? So we started looking at buildings for lease during that time. And it was like, man, it's like $2,500 a month. This is a lot of money. Like we could buy a building for that. And so we kind of started, we were just dreaming, but like we didn't really know how it was going to work. Um, I wasn't exactly a huge asset in the eyes of most bankers at that moment. <laughs> and um, anyway, we walked through this building and most of it was pretty trashed. In this room right here, they were, um, restoring artwork so it smelled like kind of like old chemicals and it was just dirty the room over there where the co-working space is was just dusty old attic space with remnants of uh, the industrial revolution era just dirt and grime everywhere pretty, yeah but when we walked upstairs and amber actually was with us the first time we walked through this building we looked up at the walls and there's all this old stuff just bled into the walls and i was like oh my goodness like this is awesome like if this can happen, I hope we don't screw it up because um, this is a sweet building. So 
So we began to talk as friends, and what we ended up doing was forming an LLC. Um, Caitlin Snyder joined Kevin and Ryan and I, and Jeremy Pfeiffer did too. And we just went to the banker and met him. And um, I remember sitting there, and if you guys ever have to fill out like a financial, what is it called, a personal financial statement, um, when you're in the middle of a big job transition <laughs> um, that doesn't involve six figure salaries on either side of it, you can feel like, wow, huh. I'm not really worth very much to you. And I remember the banker was like, so you, you take pictures and people pay you for that. You know? And, and I, I was just kind of like, yeah, I mean, ideally that's the way it works. Um, and it was kind of a statement of faith. And Kevin just, my friend Kevin, who was in the meeting, and you know, their business was, was prof, very profitable and growing. And so that was kind of what got our foot in the door as a team. And he just kept saying, you belong here, Mark. You belong here. And I just kept saying, I think you're right. I think we're going to do something. So we put an offer in on the building. We formed an LLC, put an offer in on the building. Offer got accepted. And it was just this incredible journey. And then here we are. Um, we thought, all right, this is great. And um, so friends came, people came to us and who heard about what we were doing here and was like, hey, I think we can help you guys out with like 10 grand for this. And I'm like, this is so awesome. All right, whew, this is solved ahead of time. We don't even need the money for two months. This is going to be great. And then I get an email like four days later, like, I think I jumped a little bit ahead on that. We can't actually do that right now. Never mind. I like, and I was like, oh, <laughs> I was like, shoot, um, that doesn't seem like, I, like what I was thinking. So again, here, I mean, in the midst of this, it sounds pretty hard, but we, we were on vacation again at the beach, um, like two, two or three months later. And um, Heather's grandparents at the time owned a beach house, so we got to stay there for free. So it was awesome. So we're down there, and it's like literally like um, in three weeks, we have to have, I don't know, whatever it was, like $10,000 or a little bit we less than that. And, and we had, Nothing. you know, not, <laughs> we, had, we had enough to make it through that month, but we definitely yeah. didn't have some stash of cash sitting around. And so uh, one, of my, one of the partners from the team and one of my best friends in the world called me and was like, dude, where are you gonna get this money? And I was kind of like, it got kind of like, if you're not, maybe just tell me now, cause I'm thinking you're not and I'm not, I'm not full of faith right now. And so I hung up the phone with him. And I was like, oh my goodness, this sucks. Um, and I felt like I just got so heavy. I'm like, I don't know. This seems, yeah, I agree on paper. Like I'm starting to like agree with the, the bankers um, with his evaluation of me now, right? And so I walk out of the bedroom and the kids are watching reruns on cable. And um, this old show, some of you might know, it was The Waltons um, was on. And um, John Boy is the oldest of the Walton kids. They grow up in like this dirt poor um, farming community during the depression, but John Boy's bound and determined to be a writer. And so in this particular episode, I walk out and this episode is on and John Boy is, um, he's sitting there and he's celebrating because he just got this job at college. He's in the big city. And not only did he get a job, his old professor is going to sell him this printing press um, with the money that he makes from this job. So he's going to go back to his hometown and launch a newspaper or a magazine and John Boy is going to rule the world. And so I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. And then all of a sudden John Boy's job disappears because it's during the great depression and the guy who he replaced got fired from his next job. So he comes back to his boss and says, Hey, I need my job back. And he has a wife and kids. So the foreman goes, sorry, John Boy, you're out the door. You're single. You don't need the money as much as this guy. So he goes all over town doing everything he can to come up with a job so he can buy his freaking printing press. And he can't find a job anywhere, so he still musters up the courage to go back and buy the printing press. And he goes to the guy who had been holding it for him, and it's gone. No printing press. 
And John Boy's like, I suck, I'm a failure. And so he tucks his tail between his legs and he goes home from the city to his farmhouse where he grew up. And he walks up and he's like hanging his head and his dad's sitting there on the porch. He's like, hey son, how you doing? He's like, well, not too good, dad. I, you know, I need to come back home. I don't know if there's any way I can. Everything's hard and whatever. And his, his dad's like, um, well, yeah, son, of course you can. But you know, we gave your room to Jason when you were gone so you can sleep in the barn. And I'm like, of course. I'm like, this is absolutely my life right now. This is awesome. I get to sleep in the barn. Thank you, God, for that. And just I was just in a bad space and so he goes out to the barn and he opens the door and there's the printing press sitting right there and his dad comes walking out and he's like hey son um, your professor stopped by and dropped that off he made us made your first payment for you and he wants you to start going for it and I was just sitting there like like literally tears running down my cheeks like are you, am I watching this right now like this so you're telling me this is gonna be okay and so we came home from the beach and two weeks later I met with one of my coaching clients and I just felt like I was supposed to tell him what was going on in the journey to this place. And he, he called me later and was like, hey, dude, um, I don't know if this has helped you out or not, but what if I just paid you now for the whole rest of this year and the coaching that you're going to do for me? Like, would, would that help you? Um, would that solve your problem? Like, if I just gave you all that cash now? And I'm like, <laughs> so it was, to the, it was to the exact penny, the exact penny what we needed for our percentage to buy this building. And so... This is how awesome my friends are. So we have our next meeting, and I'm like, got my money, guys. What's up? You want to be my friend now? And, um, and um, we had already worked through it. It was fine. But I was, like, I was feeling like, this is, such, this is so awesome. Like, this is really going to work. And so my good friend, Jeremy Pfeiffer, we're sitting there in the meeting. And, and he's like, yeah, I, just, I feel like maybe our percentages are a little bit off right now. And um, he's like, I feel like Mark and Caitlin should own more. And I'm like, okay, bro, like, how about you shut up? Like, yeah, that's great for me to own more. We just had a miracle over here. Like, can't we just rest in that for five seconds? And I was just like, seriously. So, but we worked through it and I'm like, yeah, actually, Heather and I talked about it and we felt like, yeah, that, I think that is right. And it was just one of those things where, you know, when, when we're in agreement with something, we, we step towards it and, and we, we pray through it, we work through it, but we really felt like we were supposed to. And um, so we did. So we ended up owning 5% more. And, you know, true to Jeremy's character and who he is, he was actually ended up turning around and loaning us the money to be able to do that. And then God opened up a door and we were able to pay off that loan in like three months. So, you know, it, it's just that's how we ended up coming to own this building. Um, then what happened was the one, whole building. One step in front yes, of the one step yeah. in front of the other. Then the story of how it went from like it doesn't smell like chemicals in here now. <laughs> There's not like um, old clothes from the 1800s laying scattered <laughs> around that room anymore. And so it was a whole nother thing to get it from there um, to where it is now. But every step of the way, it was just like I don't. It it just worked out. And I think, um, do you want to share about that entrepreneurial podcast you're listening to? Or, <laughs> well, I, had, I, had, I came home the other day, and we're, we're, we're um, working on another project right now um, as, um, with that team, and we're trying to kind of find our way through it. And um, so there was a couple hurdles that came up in buying this other piece of real estate now. And I wasn't sure if Heather was going to be excited about it or not. And I went home and she was like, yeah, I'm actually feeling really good about it. I was listening to this entrepreneurial podcast today. And this woman who actually Britt um, got Heather connected with um, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so she's like, yeah, she was saying on this podcast, like, you can't think your way out of this. You can't think your way through it. You just need to take the next step. And I think that's probably something that's for a lot of us in the room. A lot tonight is like, you know, sometimes like, you know, you have a vision, you know, there's something that you need to step towards, but you, we can try to come up with business plans. There's a place for that stuff, but sometimes it's not about coming up with a business plan. It's just about, you just need to take the first step towards what is next. I mean, I think what Jeremy shared earlier was really important. Like if you're in a season where it's not quite time yet, like bust your tail for the people that are investing you and providing an opportunity for you because you might be that person someday, you know, and then you'll understand things a lot. You'll understand things from their perspective a lot, a lot differently um, at that point. But um, I remember when I left that job, uh, that corporate job, so I left the six figure salary and walked away and like surefire retirement, you know, in whatever, five or 10 years. Um, and you know, I t- that summer I didn't, work I didn't need to and it, I knew that was where I was supposed to be and you know I met my who the woman who would become my wife during that time and I was traveling around the world and preaching and sharing my testimony all kinds of stuff and um but it was like once summer was over it was kind of like I could have been a grad student you know it wasn't that awkward I was 27 you know it was like I could have just been a grad student who was off for the summer when summer ended I started freaking out a little bit and I remember I I, I did, I, did um, I, I felt like there was just gonna, there was like something coming in the next week, right? And so I just knew there was just gonna be something coming. And at the time we were going to these big gatherings, like a thousand young people get together every week. And this guy was coming the next week to share um, who ran a huge ministry. And I had had lunch with him earlier that year. And we really connected and it was awesome. And I was like, Oh my goodness, that's a week. That's a week. Like, that's perfect. He's coming. That's Tuesday. This is awesome. I know what's going to happen. I'm going to go there. I'm going to meet him. He's going to offer me a job. Game over. Like, this is going to be freaking awesome. So I go, and sure enough, um, he's speaking to a thousand people, but he comes right up to me. We're talking for a little while beforehand. He doesn't say anything, but afterwards, he gives us time. Like, people, you guys want prayer? Come forward, whatever. And I go forward, he just walks right up to me and I'm like, lay it on me, like, yeah. I'll sign right here, I know you wanna hire me. And he comes right up to me, he's just like, Mark, I feel like everything that's going on in you right now is so counterculture, it doesn't make sense, it's the opposite of what people think you should be doing and I feel like God's saying, you're right where you're supposed to be, you're not supposed to have a job right now, you're not supposed to do this, you're not. And I was like, well, shoot, uh, okay. But I was glad because I felt like that was pretty loud. You know, and so I think it's really important for each of us to know the season that we're currently in. Sometimes it's hard to know, but I think generally between what you're feeling inside and the people that are around you, you know, you can go like, yeah, this kind of sucks, but it's the season. I'm, it's where I'm supposed to be for right now. Then rest in that. If you're like, well, I'm definitely like sitting way back and like not wanting to move because I'm freaking scared, then that's a different season you know you need to start leaning forward and engaging but we all need to learn, you know do our best to try and understand the season that we're in and that'll help make those decisions so for you it might look different but i think when you take some time to breathe reflect for me it means asking god for perspective spending time journaling writing out things um, again for being married asking heather for insight you know because um, 
sometimes it can be important to be aggressive and get out there and pound the pavement. And other times, if it's not right, this is you're running around like a chicken with your head cut off and you're actually wasting time that you're supposed to be coming to rest so that you can get fresh vision. Because creativity and vision come from a place of rest more often than they come from a place of striving or freaking out. Thanks for listening to the Hingework Podcast. Hingework is a creative co-working space in the heart of downtown Lancaster, PA. Find out more at www.hingework.com.